Hello and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Wolves. Today on the show, the season player review series continues with the kill Alexander Walker. Will the Timberwolves bring him back? What does his restricted free agency look like? Uh, should the Wolves bring him back? What value does he bring to the team? We'll also talk about Nate Knight and Luke Gagars. That's all coming on the show. Welcome in. You are Lockdown Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Happy Thursday, everybody. And a big thank you for making Locked On Wolves your first listen every single day. Locked On Wolves is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And you can follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right. Um, we are continuing the player review series. Started it on Wednesday. We're starting at the bottom of the roster, working our way towards the top, sorting by minutes played over the past season and kind of doing them right now in blocks of three until we get into the rotation. We'll spend a bit more time on each player as we get to guys who played more minutes. So today, that means we are talking about, um, I guess, if we were going from bottom to top in terms of minutes played, Luca Garza, then Nate Knight, then Nikhil Alexander-Walker. But I want to start with Nikhil Alexander-Walker because he, um, you know, in terms of minutes played in a Wolves uniform, was down near Knight and Garza, but was a pretty regular member of the rotation. I think the only game he didn't play in, if I remember right, was the first game after the trade. Beyond that, he was a regular member of the rotation, was a starter for four of the five playoff games, and was given the assignments of guarding Shea Gilgis-Alexander uh, in the, the playing game that the Wolves won, and then also Jamal Murray for the majority of the, the series against Denver. And Alexander Walker was kind of an afterthought in that trade deadline deal that brought D'Angelo Russell, uh, well, sent D'Angelo Russell to the Lakers and brought Mike Conley and Alexander Walker to Minnesota. At the time, I basically said, hey, he's more depth than the wing. I think when Jalen Noel is healthy, he'll play more. The Wolves still have, you know, Austin Rivers and obviously at the time, Jaden McDaniels. And so Nikhil Alexander Walker was kind of like the ninth, tenth guy in the rotation at best. But then once McDaniels was injured in that final regular season game, Alexander Walker became the perimeter defender when the Wolves wanted to to protect Anthony Edwards from foul trouble. And also Ant was a little banged up at the end of the season too. So it made a lot of sense. And to Alexander Walker's credit, he was really good in that play-in victory over the Oklahoma City Thunder. Shea Gilgis-Alexander was one of the best all-around players in the league this year. Like, dead serious. I mean, he was probably a top... I, I don't know. Well, this is this is another conversation, another another debate, a debate for another day. It was what a top 10, 12 player in the league SGA was this year. And he was really inefficient, got to the line a bunch, but was inefficient in that game against the Wolves. And Nikhil Alexander Walker was a big reason for that. He also was awesome against Jamal Murray over the first three and a half, four games or so of the series. Murray went off in game five. It was a big reason why Denver won. Um, but when guarded by Alexander Walker, Jamal Murray really struggled for the first part of that series. There's no question about it. For the final couple of weeks of the season, you know, end of the regular season, play in, and first round of the playoffs, Nikhil Alexander Walker was very good for Minnesota. However, I have some concerns that the recency bias could impact 
uh, either the way the Wolves handle his free agency or certainly the way that collectively the Timberwolves fan base views to kill Alexander Walker as a free agent. So to kind of set that up, he's a restricted free agent because he's coming off of his rookie deal. He was a first round pick by the Pelicans uh, back in 2000, what, 2020? I guess it would have been 2019. Um, and he played two and a half years. Well, I guess technically he was drafted by the Nets, but acquired by the Pelicans on draft night, played two and a half years in New Orleans. Uh, the last half of last season, the first half of this season in Utah, and then, of course, the final few weeks of this season in Minnesota. So coming off of the rookie deal, he's a restricted free agent, which means that the Timberwolves had the opportunity to, ex- to extend the qualifying offer to Alexander Walker, which is a little over $7 million. So this is actually the same sim- uh, situation that Josh Okogie was in last summer. And I'm actually going gonna, gonna to draw a parallel here. Uh, Josh Okogie was also a first-round pick. He was the 20th pick in his draft. Alexander Walker was the 17th pick in his. And they were, they're were both defensive-minded wings, not identical players, but a similar predicament. The Timberwolves were in a similar predicament. Now, Okogie had mostly fallen out of the rotation late last season, and, and Chris Finch wasn't... Um, I mean, the way that the Wolves were defended when Josh Okogie was on the floor, they, they couldn't get over that the last couple of seasons. So I don't think Akogi was ever likely to come back to Minnesota, but the Wolves did not offer him the qualifying offer. He ended up going to Phoenix and signing basically a minimum deal for just a couple million bucks. The qualifying offer for Alexander Walker is a little over $7 million. I think the Timberwolves will probably extend the offer. And the way that that works is they can extend the qualifying offer, which essentially means they get first right of refusal um, to... Uh, to to Alexander Walker. He can go sign somewhere else. He can go sign an offer sheet somewhere else. The Timberwolves have the opportunity to match it. Um, But essentially then, uh, uh, Alexander Walker, not Akogi, would have the opportunity to come back to Minnesota on that one-year, seven-ish million-dollar deal. Now, is Alexander Walker worth $7 million a season? No, he's not. Now, for one year, though, um, that's not an awful deal. Like, there's not a ton of risk for Minnesota to, to... offer the qualifying offer to Nikhil Alexander-Walker, if you're quote-unquote stuck with him at $7 million, it's not the end of the world. However, to extend him for much more than that, I think would be a mistake. And here's why. For as good as Alexander-Walker was down the stretch this year, there's not really a track record in his first four seasons in the league to suggest that he is a, a consistently a plus defender. None of the advanced metrics suggest that. Uh, look you know, look over at B-Ball Index, um, any win share statistic, ESPN's real plus minus stats, the box score plus minus, like none of that stuff likes what he's done as a body of work as a defender. He looks the part, certainly. He's long, he's athletic, he's good size for somebody who plays a lot at the two. He's like 6'6 six, six with, with a plus wingspan. And he has these moments like, like against Jamal Murray and against Shea Gilgis-Alexander, where he really locks in and is fantastic defensively. So it's easy. That can kind of obscure the overall body of work, which isn't all that impressive. And combine that with poor offensive numbers. There's no other way to say it. And what are we left with? Are we left with somebody who's worth $7 million? Are we worth? Uh, is he worth multiple seasons of guaranteed money? His career shooting line is 39.7%, so under 40% from the field, 33.9% on three-point attempts. It doesn't get to the line. He's only 71% when he gets there. Um, so doesn't have shooting touch from anywhere on the floor. He's He doesn't run an offense, so he's primarily played off the ball. Catch-and-shoot numbers aren't great. Um, 
three-point rate is 50% for his career, so half his shots are coming from three, and he's under 34% from there. And again, under 40% total from the floor. This season in a Timberwolves uniform, everybody remembers how he shot at the end of the year, which was great, and also right after the trade, but he was still only 36% in a Timberwolves uniform in the regular season. That's league average, actually a little below, I believe, what league average was this year. Um, So if he's a below-average defender and a below-average shooter, what is he bringing to the table? Now, he turns 25 this offseason. Um, he turns 25, actually, in the fall, right, right before training camp. So, yeah, there's still some upside. And again, size, athleticism, plays, plays really hard. That's probably his best trait, in my opinion, is how hard he plays on both ends of the floor. Defensively, I'll never forget the first couple games in a Wolves uniform. It was, it was maybe the first game he played in, so two games after the trade. He fell down on offense and got back like he was the last guy. He was under the basket, under the stanchion. And he beat everybody else back down the court. And that was a notable moment for me watching to kill Alexander Walker because on a team full of guys that falls down and does, don't hustle back, Carl Anthony Towns, Nas Reed, uh, D'Angelo Russell didn't fall down that often, but when he did, he didn't exactly get back. Um, at times, Anthony Edwards, like, go up and down the roster. Nikhil Alexander-Walker hustles. He plays hard, and that's worth something. So... That's why I say I don't think there's a ton of risk in extending the qualifying offer, but I wouldn't go much beyond that. I would not guarantee him multiple years at like that rate or anything really near it uh, because I think the one-year prove-it deal might be valuable. He's a really nice ninth or 10th guy that can give you a ton of minutes. If you have to start him and play him against the Jamal Murray, he can be fine in that role, but he's gonna you're going to overextend Nikhil Alexander-Walker if you put him in a starting role or if you expect more than 15, 16 minutes a game out of him unless he has a drastic improvement. Um, in my mind, I don't think he's that different than Josh Okoge. Like, I know that I know that they're, they are different, right? Josh Okoge actually has, like, he's a better three-point shooter, or a better, uh, not three-point shooter, a better, uh, in ter- overall, his field goal percentage is better for his career. His free throw percentage is better. He's better at the rim than Nikhil Alexander-Walker. He's a better defender than Nikhil Alexander-Walker. So it's a very similar situation to the Josh Okoge one. Uh, but the recency bias and the fact that he can make a three, he's about league average, which is a lot better than Josh Okogie, who's 29% for his career. Um, he, By the way, Okogie was over 33% with the Suns this year, which is, was by far the best mark of his career. Um, Alexander Walker's better from the corner. So, like, you can make the argument Okogie's the better all-around player. Alexander Walker's still probably a better fit for the Wolves because he can knock down a corner three. Uh, but it's far more similar than I think a lot of Wolves fans would care to admit or like again, recency bias. And I'm guilty of this too at times. Let's not let recency bias cloud the judgment of Mikhail Alexander Walker as a as a restricted free agent this summer. I'd love to see him back because again, he plays hard, he fills a need. But at at what cost? If he's your tenth guy, you're in decent shape. If he's your seventh guy, are you a serious playoff team? What are you paying him to do that? Um I you know he's somewhere in that like he should be like eighth to eleventh in your rotation if you're a legit contender, um, so that's my concern. I, I like him as a player. I like that he plays hard. I think there's room for growth and improvement, but he's not exactly the top flight defender that he showed you know in flashes at the end of the season against SGA and Jamal Murray, and he's not a knockdown three point shooter. Which again the numbers show us that right. He's he's league average at best. Um, so I think the Wolves should be careful with him this offseason. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about Luca Garza next, Timberwolves two-way player this season. Uh, we'll do that here next. 
Today's episode of Locked On Wolves is brought to us by our friends over, over at eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Thanks once again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, every day is tomorrow on Friday. We'll continue this series as we go up the Wolves roster. We'll be doing this all of next week as well. And again, as we get to rotation guys in the starting lineup, certainly we'll spend full shows breaking down each player in the season that they had, what we can expect of them next year, what their contract status is, what the uh, probability might be that they're in trade conversations this offseason. We'll do all that here over the next couple of weeks. And we're still Monday through Friday through uh, really through free agency. So uh, make sure to keep it here at Locked on Wolves. All right. Um, Let's talk about Luca Garza. So Garza was a late addition. I don't even believe he was in training camp um, with the Wolves. He was signed... I, maybe it was during training camp. It was pretty late. Uh, he had been with Detroit last year after being a second-round pick, was initially a two-way, converted to an actual NBA deal with the Pistons, played a couple games in the G League, but primarily was uh, in the NBA with the Pistons, didn't play very much, um, appeared in 32 games, actually averaged, uh, I think he averaged a little bit more in terms of minutes per game there than he did in Minnesota this year when he actually saw the floor. Um, I lost my, where the per-game numbers go? There they are. Yeah, he averaged about 12 minutes a game last year in Detroit in 32 games. This year with Minnesota, nine minutes a game in 28 games. Now, uh, there were a couple games that he got into, and he was really impressive. He put up some numbers uh, in short order and was kind of like, hey, look at this depth the Timberwolves have. This is really impressive. Like There was that game against Milwaukee at the end of December. He had 16 points in 18 minutes. The Wolves were competitive but lost that one. Um, he had the 16-point game at the the loss at Denver when the Wolves were a bit shorthanded. He had 19 and nine, and the big loss to Denver had some you know fourth quarter garbage time scores, and then he had 25 points in 23 minutes in a blowout win over Utah. So there were a handful of these games where he really showed out, and there were other games where he had shorter run due to foul trouble or whatever, and then just like didn't really produce. But I mean, he's a second round draft pick, right? Uh, the thing with Luca Garza coming into the league is he was a, a decent shooter, a good rebounder, a skilled low post player. The question and, and a decent athlete, the question was more, would he be able to defend at the NBA level? How would he, you know, he's obviously not a rim protector. Like, how does he play in the pick and roll? Lateral quickness was more the issue than it was straight athleticism and also his weight, frankly, because and that's tied to lateral quickness. There were a lot of questions about that. Well, he worked on his body a lot over the first year, year and a half in the NBA, and he lost some weight. He became, it appears to be in much better shape. And that showed in summer league and in, um, you know, this fall for the Wolves in, in, and in the G League and in the limited NBA action he got. Garza was far more, I would say, mobile in terms of pick and roll defense. You're still not switching with him on the perimeter, but he could hedge and recover and still is strong enough to compete in the post, although we did see him struggle a little bit with stronger, bigger players uh, in his limited NBA action this year. 
he still does a handful of things really well, and he's still such a skilled player in the post. Um, and I think has a shot at being a, a fringe rotation type guy at the NBA level. Now, in the G League this season, Garza was unbelievable. And and we have to point that out. So his, let's see, his regular season, and again, we talked about this on, on Wednesday's show, the G League is so weird with the, the Showcase Cup of the regular season. Six regular season games for, for the Iowa Wolves. So this is only six games, but he averaged 32 points per game, 11.5 rebounds per game, 64% shooting from the field, and almost 43% from outside the arc. In the Showcase Cup, which is nine games, he averaged 29.8 points per game. So basically 30 points a game, 9.2 rebounds, 63% shooting in, 50% from three. He completely dominated the G League. He was the MVP of their All-Star game. Um, and one of the two G League teams at the All-Star break, was he was the captain of the team. It was Team Luca because he was that dominant at the G League level this year. He's also a name everybody knows because he was Big Ten Player of the Year at Iowa. Um, and there's... There's a lot to like about Luca Garza. The questions still remain. The combination of the athleticism, the lateral quickness, uh, and then also now that he's lost a little bit of weight and is a little bit sleeker, how does he you know, hold up in the post? How does he hold up on the glass? Looking at the Timberwolves roster and, and one of their needs, defensive rebound is a really defensive rebound is a really significant need for them. And he, again, limited NBA action was pretty mediocre on the glass. In fact, his defensive rebound rate was actually lower than Anthony Edwards and Kyle Anderson this year. Again, 28 games, 250 or so minutes, so relatively small sample, but only a 13.5% defensive rebound rate. And and frankly, that has to be higher. Now, he did lead the Wolves in offensive rebound rate. He played essentially patty cake and volleyball, whatever you want to call it, on the offensive glass a couple different times. It's really boosted those numbers. So his overall total rebound rate was only behind Gobert and Nas Reed and Josh Minot, who played only 100 minutes this year, ahead of Carl Tiddy Towns because the offensive rebound rate was so good. But defensively, I think he found himself a little bit undersized and, and overmatched on the defensive glass. And and I think he's solid in so many areas. And the three-point shooting is another example where he's a decent three-point shooter. But it's not he's not Towns outside the arc, right? He's skilled in the post, but he's not exactly Towns in the post, right? He can hold his own defensively. He can hold his own on the glass, but he's not above average in really any of these areas, except for, I guess, post-scoring. But like most teams are going to say, fine, if you want to beat us with Luka Garza in the post, you can try, and we'll just guard everybody else and make you beat us that way. And that's never going to be his role at the NBA level. You're not going to orchestrate an NBA offense around Luka Garza's post-game. So what does he bring to the table that's that's plus? Not much. And, and that's why I see him more as a fourth, fifth big you know, bench guy, the ability to come in and score, you know, if you really need it, like if you're down a bunch of guys and like you have that depth, you need to use that depth. But the lack of ability to to um, to to be mobile defensively, he doesn't block shots. He doesn't rebound consistently enough. He's not a plus offensive player. He's more well-rounded and, and skilled in the post. That's kind of his upside. I, I think that's... And remember, he was a four-year college guy, so he's already 24. I believe he turns 25 this summer, if I'm not... Uh, he actually... 24 and a half. So he turns 25 around Christmas time. Um, so during next season. I, there's not a whole ton of upside there for him. Um, I like him. I think it'd be great if he came back to the Wolves on a two-way deal again. I believe they can do that since he was just on a two-way deal with them for one year. Um, but I, I just don't see him as a as a legit like rotation caliber player at the NBA level. He's very skilled. Don't get me wrong. But in today's NBA, a skilled post game can't be your only plus skill. 
right? We talked about Josh Minot on Wednesday's show. Josh Minot is athletic. He's long. He's active. He gets steals, blocks, rebounds, does all those things better than Luka Garza. He doesn't have an offensive game. Garza's far more skilled offensively. He's already a better shooter, all that stuff. But Minot, all those other skills are pluses for Minot. Garza's better offensively, but he's not a plus shooter. He's got a good post game, but like, you know, he he's not he's not Hakeem, and he's not like again in today's NBA a a good post game can't be your only plus skill, right? Um, so that that's kind of I guess maybe it's not a fair comparison, but that in my mind that's and obviously that there's the upside and the age thing with Minot, but um, and and defense too. I'm not even like we could consider that factor too. Um, all that to say, it'd be fun if Garza was back on a on a two way type deal. Uh, like again, I I do think he deserves to be in the league as a depth type player, but realistically, he's not a rotation player for Minnesota for anybody else here in the short term at the NBA level. All right, let's close by talking Nate Knight, uh, who was not on a two way deal this year. Um, we'll talk about Nate Knight here next. What his future is? Will he be back? We'll talk about his contract situation next as well. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends at BetterHelp. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself, uh, especially post-COVID. That was the COVID years, 2020, 2021, were great times to reflect. And uh, I think uh, many of us realized uh, that, hey, you got to focus on yourself at Sometimes when you spend all of your time giving, it can leave you feeling stretched thin and burned out. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. If you're thinking of starting therapy, consider giving BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockdownNBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockdownNBA. All right, let's close today by talking about Nate Knight, a former two-way signee by the Wolves. He was a two-way player for the Hawks a couple of years ago in 2021. Was on a two-way deal with the Wolves last year, and then this offseason, the Timberwolves brought him back on a um, a guaranteed deal. It was actually a partially guaranteed deal. The way the Wolves structured it um, is Nate Knight had a uh, a guarantee of like three, I'm gonna see if I could have it here somewhere, like 300 some thousand dollars guaranteed this year, became fully guaranteed in January for 1.8 million. So yeah, so he had 350,000 guaranteed when he signed last offseason, plus a no trade clause or the right to veto a trade. The contract became fully guaranteed for $1.83 million on January 10th. The Wolves had a couple other guys that had deals similar to that. Austin Rivers, uh, there's one other one. I think it was Jalen Noel. And they all stayed on the roster. The Wolves guaranteed fully all of their deals. They all stuck around for the entirety of the season. The Wolves now have an option for next year on, um, on Nate Knight. The full salary is essentially $2 million. It's $1.997. I don't know when the option has to be picked up. Usually it's like the last week of June for most of these guys. But it's only $380,000 guaranteed once again. So guaranteed $380,000 if they pick up the option. It becomes fully guaranteed so that additional $1.6 million to bring it to about $2 million, not until January. So I think it's very likely the Timberwolves exercise the option. Nate Knight is still only 26 years old. He's still, we'll get into what he does on the court here in just a minute. I think he's a valuable depth big to have when you're only guaranteeing 380000 
And then if you get to midseason and you need the roster spot or, you know, I don't know, whatever else comes up, you can always let him go in January and, and he could go sign a 10 day somewhere else or whatever. And you save yourself that roster spot and 1.6 million against the cap at that point. Um, it, like the other option would be if if there is some sort of a you know if they need the roster spot this summer, perhaps they do let him go. But at three hundred eighty thousand guaranteed, there's really not much risk at all there. Uh, I still like Day Knight as a rotational, a fringe rotation big in the league. Like comparing him to Luca Garza, who we just talked about, I think Nate Knight offers more than Luca Garza. The only advantage Garza has comparing these two is he's got a better post game. Um, other than that, Nate Knight. Uh, over the course of his career, over the last three years, has been a better rebounder. That wasn't necessarily the case this year. We'll talk about that in a minute. But he's got a little bit more consistent of an inside-outside game, can take you off the dribble. Um, I, I think his size plays better the way that he plays. Uh, he's not great defensively, but I just think the game is a little more well-rounded. There's a little bit more athleticism and quickness there. Um, and again, he's also done it you know, more over the course of his NBA career. Like, it, yeah, it's one year more and it's about 40 games more or whatever, but there's a little bit more of a track record for Nate Knight. Um, he's also roughly the same age despite having that year additional experience. Um, so I, there's a lot that I like about Nate Knight. I think there's a lot, a lot to be said for what he can provide, the punch he can provide if needed as a fourth big who you're calling upon in a pinch. I actually thought there were a couple games this year that Chris Finch made a mistake by playing Garza over Nate Knight. I thought Knight would have been a better fit for certain situations. Uh, this year in just under 300 minutes, Knight shot 57% from the field. He was 36% beyond the arc, so nearly league average there. Um, I think he's better all around defensively than Luca Garza, still not a great defender. Now, the rebounding numbers took a big hit. I campaigned for him to, to push for rotation minutes. In fact... All the way up to this, last summer, I spent some time talking about trading Nas Reed for a couple second rounders and keep and putting Nate Knight in the rotation because I figure you have Gobert and Towns. Why do you need Nas Reed? Now, it appears as though I was wrong about that. Nas obviously was really good this year, but Nate Knight was really good last year. He had a rebound rate of 17%, 22% defensive rebound rate. Those numbers plummeted this year in roughly the same amount of playing time. So, you know, one of the two is probably fluky or maybe the real truth lies between like he's maybe not as good of a rebounder as he was in 21 22 but he's not as bad as he was in 22 23 it's a small enough sample it's really hard to say but pound for pound I like Nate Knight as a rebounder I like his well-rounded offensive game I think he's a better shot certainly a better shot blocker than Luca Garza I don't think there's any question about that um, so if you're only guaranteeing three hundred eighty thousand dollars and you have the ability to keep him as your fourth fifth big for two million but you don't have to make the decision on the full $2 million until next January. I think it's kind of a no-brainer to have him back as insurance, as especially you know, if Luca Garza is not coming back. Um, at the moment, you don't know if Nas Reed is coming back. We'll talk more about him next week. So, yeah. I mean, sign me up for 380 k for, for Nate Knight as your fourth big, hopefully. Hopefully, he's not your third. Hopefully, he's your fourth big. And that's not including Kyle Anderson. I'm talking about centers that can play power forward not forwards like Kyle Anderson. I'm saying go Baron Towns, hopefully Nas Reed, and then Nate Knight, and you let Garza go, and Nate Knight is your your insurance policy for another season. Um, and then this is a contract year for him, and he could play his way. His prime is about to kick in. If he has a good season, he could play his way into a, a guaranteed deal next summer, um, whether it's with the Wolves or somewhere else, someone else. Um, but I like Nate Knight. 
I like that he brings a lot. I, I think he brings a lot to the table. Again, more well-rounded, a couple more plus skills than what Luca Garza has. Um, and I, I like the idea of, of Knight being back on the team next year on an affordable deal. Uh, again, hopefully not more than a fourth big, but I, I believe he deserves a roster spot in 23-24. All right. On Friday's show, we're going to work our way, continue to work our way up the roster from the bottom in terms of minutes played. We're going to talk Jordan McLaughlin, which is going to be a tough one, a bit of a contentious conversation. I'm going to skip over Towns and Conley. I'm going to break the rule a little bit because they're starters, even though that minutes-wise, they were 10th and 11th, as crazy as that is, on the team in total minutes. So we'll go McLaughlin, we'll go Austin Rivers, and we'll go Torian Prince. I'm going to do all three on Friday. And then next week, I'll likely do full shows. I may do half shows for Nas and Jalen Noel, but then we'll do full shows for the starters. We'll skip D'Angelo Russell, obviously, uh, since he's not on the team anymore. So um, this series is going to take us through the middle part of next week. But again, Friday, we'll do McLaughlin, Rivers, and Prince in some order. So uh, make sure to tune in on Friday and then all of next week as we continue the player review series. A big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Of course, this show is free and available wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also watch on YouTube you can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E at. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.